Hi, I'm Brooke Solsheimer, and welcome back to Murderology. This is where we study the crimes of notorious and unknown serial killers. Murderology is here to inform and teach people about different cases which make you really think about whether or not we're living among the next infamous serial killer. Welcome once again to Murderology. My name is Brooke Solsheimer and today we are going to be talking about Israel Keys, who is an American serial killer, rapist, necrophile, arsonist, burglar, and bank robber. Again, Israel Keys was many things along with being a serial killer. It is known that he had 11 victims due to 11 pages of drawings found in his jail cell by FBI agents. They were skulls drawn with his own blood, one drawing having the words, we are one, under the skull. This phrase led the FBI to believe that he had 11 victims. The biggest component to how he became a serial killer was his childhood, as it is for most infamous killers. Keyes was known to steal guns from his neighbors' houses, to hunt and to torture animals. He would pursue anything with a heartbeat, which is said in multiple articles due to the interrogations. This is all behavior that has been linked to psychopathy. Keyes was even cut off from his family after telling them that he didn't share their faith, which caused psychological trauma. More backstory to his life is that Keyes served in the U.S. Army for around three years until his honorable discharge. He never had trouble with the law except for a DUI while serving. Now for the gross nature of his crimes. Keyes targeted victims who crossed his path instead of sticking to a specific profile. That means that it didn't matter what the victim looked like or how they lived, they were all victims of opportunity. The place where he took most of his victims from were parks, cemeteries, or even campgrounds. Keyes claimed that there were no witnesses in these places, so they were the best to abduct from. Keyes also traveled to kill. Once he flew to Chicago and proceeded to drive to Vermont, where he found victims Bill and Lorraine Courier. These kills incorporated detailed planning. Keys would go all over the country to hide catches of murder, equipment like guns, ammunition, and chemicals which he used to destruct bodies. Because he studied the work of FBI profilers and infamous killers like Bundy, Keys was highly knowledgeable on how to hide from the police. He was hard to catch due to changing fingerprints and removing body hair, but not impossible to catch. The murder that led to his capture was the killing of Samantha Cohen. In Alaska, Keyes kidnapped and murdered the girl. He abducted her from a coffee stand while wearing a ski mask. Samantha was the one to make his coffee. Keyes pulled out a gun and demanded money. Then he forced himself into the coffee stand and zip-tied Samantha's hands together. Because she didn't have a car for him to drive, Keyes forcibly walked her out of the coffee stand towards a road called Tudor Road. Samantha was able to break from him and tried to run, but Keyes tackled her to the ground and threatened her with death. Then he forced her into his truck and left the scene. He drove around town explaining to the girl that this was a ransom kidnapping, meaning that he was going to give demands to her family, which most likely involved money. Samantha explained that her family didn't have much money, which meant the public would have to raise that money for the ransom demand. Keyes was impatient and demanded that the girl gave him her ATM card. 
He bound her and put her in a shed at his house, threatening that he had a police scanner to know if she alerted the police or his neighbors. He also turned up the radio so no one could hear her scream if she tried. Keys left to go to an ATM, testing her PIN number and returning. When he returned is when he participated in the disgusting details of his crime. The man sexually assaulted Samantha, soon asphyxiating her. He left her in the shed and packed for a pre-planned cruise he was going on. After returning from the cruise, Keys prepared a ransom note for the public and for Samantha's family. He made her look like she was still alive and took a Polaroid picture with the girl in the daily news from a few days before. He typed a ransom demand for $30,000 on the back of the picture with the typewriter. APD discovered the note under a missing dog flyer in a park after Keyes had texted Samantha's boyfriend off of her phone. After this, he dismembered the girl's body and put it into a lake. Samantha's father, James Cohen, deposited money into her ATM account. The police had planned to track Keyes by the location he took withdrawals from. There were withdrawals taken out from, respectively, in Alaska, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. The FBI was able to track the withdrawals and gave a description of the vehicle he was driving, which was a white Ford Focus. An officer from the Texas Highway Patrol pulled, out, pulled over a vehicle matching that description, and luckily, Keyes was driving it. There, they were able to search the truck, finding Samantha's phone in the ATM card, and they could incriminate him with that. Before the arrest, Keyes spent time with his mother and siblings in Texas. His sister tried to get him to reconsider his atheism and took him to a pastor. Keyes has said to the pastor, You don't know the depths of darkness that I've gone to. You don't know what I've done. Soon alluding to the murders that he committed. Whoa, that case was a doozy. Definitely more hardcore than last episode when we talked about Todd Colehap. I hope you enjoyed this episode too. I thought that the background information on Israel Key's childhood was definitely interesting and it even explained a lot of his adulthood, including why he did what he did. Again, my name is Brooke Solsheimer and this was Murderology.